The Halo universe is filled with wonder, mystery, and fascinating discoveries around every corner. With so much to explore, four friends decided it was about time that they boot up the consoles and discuss this universe that has grabbed their attention since childhood. Jumperscape Audio kindly welcomes you to join them in the library. everyone welcome back to the bookstore halo novels are now on sale somewhere on the internet welcome also to the library where we talk about halo lore but we're all friends here that's a <laughs> i think that's a good way to put the show um so i, I want to get us get us kicked off immediately because this one is going to be a rather large topic uh last time we had we kind of wrapped up the the general story of everything because we went from the precursors all the way to the banished. So that whole general time span of the Halo universe, done and dusted. We're good. Now, gentlemen, we are on to quite possibly the second best villain that we've had in the Halo games anyway so far. Mr. Didact himself. With the first uh, being? Huh? With the first being? The prophets, just as a oh. whole. They're way better, like because the, the we've already had this conversation about villains in the after show before. But I mean, it, Halo's villain game is a little off at the moment. Atriox is building up to be one of the better ones, That's but he's only had say. one game that he's like they shined. So True. because I haven't seen him do anything outside of Halo Wars two, you know, aside from well, I can't, I don't know. Are we outside of spoiler range yet? I feel like we've already been like we're almost two years into Halo Infinite's time on this planet so i think we're at a spoiler <laughs> range i think we're cool good. you know when he f explodes yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only other thing we've seen him do uh aside from also just standing there and bad mouthing cortana that that's pretty much the gist of his time with us so uh just to let everyone know as well because you know there might be some confusion here uh shane is currently passing away as we speak he is very sick i guess I can't uh, speak too well. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's still here. He's just, he, he's not going to be all okay the whole time. I'm just trying to show support. I know that everyone here is really concerned about Shane's health. So just wanted to keep right. you guys updated. You know, send thoughts, prayers, money. Uh, yeah, like especially money. Really <laughs> 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 I'll take the, I'll, I'll take the thoughts. I really like, the, I appreciate those. Um, <laughs> Not that kind of spelling. I, I know oh. I heard the snickering. I heard it. I heard the <laughs> snickering. So, kicking off with the didact, uh, there are two of him. What? Crazy. <laughs> huh? Whoa. This is actually news to me. Oh. <laughs> there are two. There is the Ur didact, which is OG Mr. Man himself, and then there is the ISO didact, who is not the OG Mr. Man himself. Uh, oh, so they're both. Huh? Okay, never mind. I don't want to. I don't want to dig my idiot hole any further. <laughs> You're not an idiot for not knowing. That's that's the thing. Uh, these are the kind of things that's like why we do the show is because these things are like you have to really go into the books to even know that there's a difference between the two. Um, at the moment, I'm having fun because uh, I got really behind. I'm still trying to finish Silentium, but every time I go back into it, it gets better and better. 
uh, and the Isodidact and the Erdidact both have some pretty pretty good scenes in that book. And they are almost the same, but not quite. Um, we've talked about the Erdidact and the Isodidact before with the Forerunner episode, but we didn't touch on it very much because, you know, it's Forerunner stuff. There's a lot more to it than just the Didact, even though Didact is like 50% of it. So the Erdidact was the man, the real one, the one that did the things and the stuff for real. Man, the myth, and uh, the legend. He, yes, exact legendary. Uh, he basically was the protector of the ecumen. That was like actually a rank that you could achieve, and he was at that rank. What's an ecumen? Uh, the ecumen was the the overarching empire of the forerunners. Okay, I don't uh, think I've ever heard that word before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. Oh, the for- we talked about it so much on the foreigner episode. This guy doesn't listen to the library. Don't be like this guy. Listen to the library. I'm sorry. <laughs> The Ecumen is the overarching empire of the Forerunners. The capital is the Maithrilin, the giant pine cone looking capital city that they've got that's very, very large and cool because it has a bunch of different terrains on these different discs that are offset a little bit, conjoined by a spot, like a a little, they described it, Greg described it, described it better in the book, but it's basically like if you took a bunch of leaves and you stuck a stick through one end of all of them and then splayed them out so they kind of spiral up the stick that's what the the city looks like um, okay it's beautiful it looks gorgeous every time that someone does an artist like an artistic rendition of it beautiful gorgeous uh granted it got destroyed but you know it's fine so did everything else it's fine <laughs> it doesn't make it not beautiful it just makes it dead <laughs> exactly uh so uh, the Didax story is kind of almost a repetition of things, quite honestly, because uh, his his original story goes all the way back to, you know, when he was a warrior servant, like just a normal dude. Um, then he became a Promethean, uh, one of the most powerful classes of warrior servants. Uh, we know who trained him, some guy named Bitterness of the Vanquished, a legendary Promethean. Really rolls was, off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, much older, like a much older Promethean uh, than Didact, which is very difficult to pull off considering how old the Erdidact is. He is very old, ancient. He's great for that reason. Um, unfortunately, though, Bitterness of the Vanquished, uh, he was one of those guys that migrated into builder security. If you remember that during the Forerunner episode, I had talked about how the warrior servants had once been the top of the food chain because of the wars, but then after builders rose to the top of the food chain, warrior servants, out of fear that they were going to lose their bloodlines, switched to builder security. Ah. So they had no forces to fight the flood. <laughs> um, yeah, that happened. He he went and did that because I guess he's just like that and just gave up real fast. But he did train the Erdidact for 10,000 years for, oh before the flood showed up. So... Uh, yeah, there they had some some good some good skills there that they were able to practice. Um, Erdidact though quickly became you know head of everything. He was in charge of the armies of the forerunners. He developed more Promethean forces. He was very skilled as a war leader, but uh, of course he had a weakness, and that was the weakness of most men, women. So uh, he found a lovely woman by the name of the librarian. 
and librarian and didact kind of worked together really well because one was all about destruction one was all about life so they found their philosophical differences very fascinating uh just having conversations with each other was some of the most entertaining things that they could ever do so because of that they decided that a lifelong uh, connection would be fantastic so they got married and it was very adorable and, and sweet and loving and they continue to be adorable sweet and loving all the way up until the end of their marriage so <laughs> it's it's fantastic which their marriage does end in tragedy but then again the didact kind of went insane but we'll get to that later <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after all of that though with you know doing things such as developing the shield worlds as a way to be like hey we don't need to destroy everything in the galaxy what if we just created homes for all the species of the universe so that we don't have to do that and the builders are like what if we just made it so that the halos could be lived on and we blow everything up everywhere anyway and so everyone in the council was like that sounds great let's do that let's kill everyone um and the didact knowing the the whole mantle of responsibility thing is kind of like i don't uh, don't agree and they're like oh okay cryptum and so he got locked away <laughs> uh, so once he returned though uh, things weren't much better he kind of started just looking around the galaxy looking for uh, to my to my memory he was looking in particular for a couple things first of all he wanted to find his wife because he didn't know where she was at uh, he wanted to find what had happened in his absence so he wanted to go and look at the ancient battlegrounds that had happened between them and the humans uh and also to find out whether or not the halos had been tested because he was not very excited about them being used and so he did in fact they were so uh damning in terms of evidence is that they they ended up finding that uh the san shayum had been kind of uh you know tested on <laughs> 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 just uh, a little bit and so <laughs> those forerunners do just the darndest things uh good news though the test worked uh very successful test <laughs> so uh <laughs> the the didact gets captured again by uh the master builder because he's like oh no the didact is back this is bad for my bottom line uh and the ISO didact, who was another forerunner that had freed the didact to begin with and was imprinted by the didact, which go all the way back to episode two of this show, if you really want to know what imprinting means and how growing up as a forerunner works. Uh, the ISO didact, now pretty much entirely the didact, was free to carry out the, the goals and the purposes of the didact within the council. The, the original didact was locked away. ISO didact is allowed to assume the didact's duties as supreme commander of the Forerunner military uh, by the technicality of the fact that the flood were a problem. So that's really the only thing that they had going for them. So uh, the didact, he goes, he has a little bit of, uh, he goes on a little bit of a misadventure. He ends up getting locked away in this stasis bubble. And being locked in a forerunner stasis bubble is not fun. This thing, like, it's not, I can't really, I don't remember exactly how they describe how it feels, but I do know that it kind of is sort of like a second skin that is airtight. Uh, it's not fun. It, it's, it's, it's like a vacuum seal. And once it releases you, it kind of breaks apart and shatters and you have to slowly regain feeling in your limbs. <laughs> it's not fun. Um, 
But I don't know, sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> Didact was found to be abandoned in a uh, in a forerunner ship that had no armor or weapons. Um, he w- he was there with other warrior servants uh, and a couple. I think he was also there with Catalog, um, or at least one of Catalog that basically had been deemed problematic by ba- by the master builder, and so builder decided to dispose of them. Uh, so while they were out there, they managed to eventually find their way back. Uh, the didact used another forerunner's armor to try to make that work, make that happen. It's a, like I said, it's a very complicated situation what they ran into, but I don't want to get too detailed into it because we only have so much time, but he was locked out there. They were prisoners. They managed to escape at some point without having to worry about getting destroyed because they were right outside of they were right outside of these things called star roads. We had talked about those during the precursor episode. There were these fancy ways of traveling around the galaxy that the precursors would use. They would be able to develop these star roads, but they're also very destructive. Um, I had two things that popped in my head when you said star road. First was rainbow road from Mario Kart. And the second was the Bifrost from four. <laughs> uh, now the, the manner that they were able to escape with was the flood because the flood ended up converging on that ship. Uh, so they were completely immobilized. The flood took over and they got confronted by the grave mind, which was, this is the interesting thing is that the grave mind was recognized by the didact to be the same thing as the primordial. So whether or not primordial again, the primordial is the assumed last surviving precursor. Ah, but like, Still a flood form, but the most conscious flood form you could find that's still got powers of the precursors. I thought there uh, was stuff that was like more than the grave mind. There there are, but this is like we don't know if this means the grave mind, like the grave mind from the Halo trilogy, or if it's a different grave mind, but this is saying specifically, and I'm sure it would say the same thing in the book. I haven't gotten to that part yet. But this is saying specifically the grave mind. And when you go and click on that specific link, it goes to the grave mind from the trilogy. All right. So if this is the same thing, um, and actually I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm looking. Yeah. Whoa. What? No, it can't be this. It couldn't be the same guy. What if it is? Hold on, hold on. No, I'm having, I'm having a. Hold on, this is interesting. This is actually fascinating. I'm sorry. This is just. I'm, I'm reading through this as quickly as I possibly can. Okay, so. Okay, so maybe, so very well might be the precursor, the the primordial. Okay. That's cool. I'm I'm gonna read on that later before I try to dive into that topic. That's gonna <laughs> mess with me for a little bit. All right. So after what happened with the flood, uh, the uh, he managed to escape. Didact managed to get back to the Forerunner uh, controlled space, and Faber, the Master Builder, was able to get Didact back to the Ecumene. And uh, now he was back in charge of all forces because Isodidact, he's all right. But uh, I mean, 
Isodidact is still technically younger, even though he has similar, even though he's basically the same guy, it's still different <laughs> like experiences. So Isodidact was able to remain in command of the military, but Erdidact's privileges were restored. So he was able to go about and go and do what he needed that what, what he felt that he had to do. So that included going and getting a composer and starting to, let's say, produce some Promethean Knights. Mm-hmm. And um, by producing very ethical means, I'm sure I, of course, mean going to the various Halo rings and digitizing now caveman eyesed humans hmm. <laughs> and turning them into beetle like creatures that couldn't be infected because they're not alive. So very brutal. Uh, but didact does what the didact do. <laughs> <laughs> the die does some what people, the die do. <laughs> some people don't think the didact does what the didact do, but it I messed it up. Continue. <laughs> it's okay. Uh so there's there's many more details on how he went about using these forces and all of the various battles that he took part in using these forces, but eventually uh, the librarian was upset, reasonably so. Mhm. So the librarian shot him point blank and he didn't die from that. So congrats to the didact. But uh, she shot him point blank, realizing that he was starting to kind of lose himself uh, because he was also like he's immune to the composer now because he would sort of expose himself to it slightly like he would make himself immune to the flood by any means necessary. And that was part. Well, first of all, it's partially why his teeth are all like gnarled now but second of all it's also why he can't be infected by the flood so he's probably a little bit more durable now for that reason too but the librarian realizing that she that he was a threat she locked him away in another cryptum and he would be stuck in that cryptum for a very long time and when would he wake up that's right ladies and gentlemen it was halo 4 so Man goes to sleep and the flood are about to win. He wakes up and there's no flood and the humans are back to f- almost full strength. So he's probably upset. <laughs> Just a little bit. Because that would imply the exact thing that he didn't want to have happen. The forerunners lost and the humans returned. <laughs> so him thinking that the humans are just, you know, they're they're like, a, I think he might have described them at one point as a parasite because they would similarly spread to as many planets as they possibly could. And just, they're very difficult to kill completely. Uh, He got mad. So seeing that they're alive again and that he wants to be able to, I guess, control the galaxy once again, because the forerunners are supposed to be the ones that control the mantle of responsibility. And thus the forerunners need to be the ones in power. uh, He goes and attempts to destroy humanity. How is he going to do that? Well, we found the composer, Humanity. We had no idea what in the hell it was. (laughs) But we knew that it was big and it looked like it had some sort of purpose. So we built a whole massive station around it. We were all excited to learn about what the composer does and how to make it happen. Uh, Unfortunately, though, uh, Didact got it back by very peaceful means Mm -hmm. uh it did and then the first time that he decided to fire it up and see if it still worked uh 
it worked and it did very humane things to all of the scientists on the on the station. <laughs> yes. Uh, but needless to say, his forces had expanded after that. <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple more soldiers. Exactly. Because uh, they saw how well it worked and they signed up voluntarily. <laughs> <laughs> so it should also be noted that uh, by this time, Didact had actually tried to contact Catalog again. Um, but Catalog rejected the requests. Uh, and just to note what Catalog is, it, he is exactly as his name describes. It is a central being connected by various either terminals or forerunner beings that were once normal forerunners, but then converted into something that's less than forerunner, like sort of machine-esque. And their whole purpose the is just to kind of just to connect and catalog everything they see so every happenings of the universe everything that they could possibly keep track of testimonials all of it they tracked everything in fact the entirety of halo silentium if i remember correctly is written from the perspective of things that catalog saw but you never call them catalogs plural because it's just one being no matter how many of them are in the room it is all just one being uh, although if you do get them in a tight spot like the didact when he was locked on that ship and about to be taken by the flood uh, catalog was on the ship with him and he uh, he was able to get catalog to talk about what he once was so they still have some form of awareness of the fact that they were once normal forerunners but you know that's just a side thing so the didact he has his composer and he has everything that he needs to get his revenge on humans for being alive <laughs> and so he goes to earth and he starts beaming arizona and you know very unfortunate i mean it's already hot enough as it is and and then it got so hot that people started literally disintegrating and turning into digitized dust at least he didn't do a more populated area right i mean it was phoenix that's a pretty populated area yeah also, by this point, humanity had grown quite a bit. I mean, the, the fact that they had so many people across all the planets that we had literal trillions of lives lost during the human coming to war. Uh, no idea how many people were in that city, but it did look it did look pretty advanced. So I'm going to assume that New Phoenix. Oh, hey, there you go. We have an exact number. Seven million. <laughs> oh, my. Seven million people were in New Phoenix when it got bleamed. <laughs> um. Oh, well, <laughs> yep, the whole city got just uh, deleted. So that's that's the, the terrifying part. But uh, Master Chief, the hero that we know and love, shows up and confronts him with a tactical nuke, specifically a <laughs> Havoc nuclear warhead. Um, and, you know, he confronts this telekinetic being of higher power. And wins by his usual shtick of sheer luck. <laughs> yes. Uh, because as he is about to get absolutely tossed into the void, which we I, I guess he wouldn't have been composed. He probably would have had the same fate that the didact did following this fight. But uh, Cortana, who at the time was thought to be destroyed, but ended up actually being alive uh, by copying herself into the didact ship, ended up being able to hack into the system and used the hard light bridge that they were standing on to restrain the didact and then pretty much wrapped 
the 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 hard light around Master Chief to protect him from the nuclear explosion. Oh, that's how she did it. Mm -hmm. Very fancy stuff. Very cool. So the didact, uh, he gets a little pulse grenade stuffed into his little combat skin, and he gets thrown off. And everyone is like, he's dead. We win. But I'm, 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 but no, that doesn't, that's not how that works because like the didact, he can't be composed. Like, I mean, he still feels pain, but he didn't, he didn't get composed completely. So he falls into his little composer. And uh, the, the way that this works before, like I said in the Forerunner episode, uh, the Didax ship and its composer works by firing through slip space. Uh, there was a slip space rupture underneath the composer. So he falls into the slip space rupture and he falls and he falls and falls and he lands on installation 03, which is where the composer was originally like built. Um, so after his arrival, though, Spartan Black Team shows up. And they're like, Oh, the didact. He's here now. He's a threat. Let's kill. And they die. All of them. They oh, no. Effortlessly. Didact slaughtered them. <laughs> so that was brutal and unfortunate. Uh, and the didact is now free to do as he pleases. So he gets, he kind of goes on a little bit of a misadventure again. This one is happening all on the comics, by the way. There's a specific comic. I don't remember which one it is, but there is a comic all about this. Um, just kind of detailing all the stuff that he did after he had arrived on this halo ring. Uh, John had learned about his being on the ring and in an effort to make sure that the didact doesn't do the contradictory thing and activate the halos <laughs> because that's exactly what he was planning to do. He was planning to repair installation zero three and activate it. Um, I don't, I still don't really know why I think it's just his madness had gone mad. Uh, John and the rest of Blue Team pull up and they fight the Didact. Now, you would think they don't have a chance. However, Blue Team, um, that's it, period. So, okay. Uh, John manages to stab Mr. Man in the eye with his combat knife. Uh, Didact <laughs> was not very happy about this because he, he felt like it could have probably killed Chief earlier and he probably would have been able to, you know, keep his, his eye at least. <laughs> um, that's it's a reasonable thing to to desire. Uh huh. So they're all still fighting. Uh, they're not doing a great job. They're kind of getting overpowered because Didact is still a very very powerful forerunner. <clears throat> and it, it, it's a little bit more fighting, basically, up until eventually. Uh. Is what am I seeing here? Like I know I'm trying to cross reference what I know with what I'm reading just to make sure that I'm getting it right and it's happening in a way that I don't remember it. So I'm trying to make sure that I don't get this wrong. Hey there, Halo fans. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with our friends right after these messages. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Interesting. So uh, after this whole interaction, uh, they had managed to, like, John was able to take this activation index uh, and insert it into the core, but 
the interesting thing was that John was not planning to activate the the ring's weapons, but instead disabled the security protocols and allowed the monitor of the of the ring to eject a section of the ring and contain the control room. So then the didact can't es- can't escape. Uh, once he had done that, though, uh, the didact suddenly was. As far as I'm aware, this is just kind of what happened because the control room was hurtled into the forge that created the composers, which would be a lot more concentrated composer energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the didact got composed, disintegrated his body, and his his body was completely destroyed, but his essence was stored in digital form. Ah. So at one point, uh, the didact, now being a digital being, gets to interact with Guilty Spark. Uh, he gets, and this is all after Halo 3. Well, I'm never going to go into why 343 is alive. <laughs> <laughs> but Didact gets to talk to 343 one last time um, and also gets to talk to the librarian one last time. Now, this conversation is, I don't know anything about the conversation, so I'm not going to even get close to what happened during that conversation, but I'm going to readily assume that 343 and Librarian were both likely not very happy with what the Didact had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, the Librarian still had the deep desire of ensuring that the Didact was able to find peace. So, despite the fact that she'd believed that her husband was beyond redemption, which I should mention, like, I did say the husband, that the husband and wife thing was over, but they still considered each other married. It's just, you know, it's one of those rough relationships. You got a lot of stuff you got to work through. <laughs> yeah. They just need a little counseling. Exactly. So Didact gets locked into the domain. Uh, and we've talked about the domain before. The domain is that collection of all knowledge in the galaxy. Although I do, I, I had to make a correction because I, I remember that I brought something up about the domain in the episode two, but I got it wrong, kind of. I said that at one point that the Forerunners were able to use their armor to access the domain at any time and interact with any Forerunners who had died in the past if they were in their armor when they died. That's not entirely correct. Uh, It's not about their armor, although their armor does help with that. It's more that there are these special terminal-like things that can collect Forerunner consciousness, but more like their memories and stuff. And then they can, and the Forerunners can use their armor to access that information through the domain. All right. So it's sort of the same thing, but more technical. <laughs> uh, but this is the interesting thing. That's it. After the didact get, gets locked in the domain, we don't know what happens to him. Uh, as far as we were aware, that was the last of his story. However, uh, if you are an astute Halo fan and you look at social media ever, you will know that supposedly his final chapter is coming up soon. Uh, uh, Halo uh- Epitaph. Where he's wearing a cloak, just like the Halo 5 trailer where Chief is wearing a, a, a cloak as well. <laughs> and that went really uh, well last putting time. people in cloaks whenever we haven't seen them in a while. I don't know, you know, it's just the way that it is. Everyone loves a good old cloak. He, his helmet is broken too in the cover. It's like broken in half. So, fascinating stuff. He looks kind of like a Sith Lord, but that, you know, it's besides the point. A um, Sith Lord. <laughs> uh, but with that being the end of the didact story it will probably be at least somewhat on topic to talk about the iso didact because he's a he's still the didact but just different dude basically yes 
He's a nice. Uh, so the Isodidact was an imprint from the Erdidact. Slowly started to become more like the Didact until eventually he just believed himself to be the Didact, which isn't exactly wrong. Once you've imprinted long enough, you really do just become that person. Um, the Isodidact, during the Didact's disappearance, he had no idea where the Didact was. He didn't know that the Master Builder had locked him away just to leave him for dead. So the Isodidact just assumed the position of the Erdidact, both in the the place of the council and the military, but also in the marriage. So the librarian was just kind of okay with it because it was still technically her husband. Did you ever see um, um, Oblivion? No. Okay. Reference doesn't work then. Anyone else who's okay. seen Oblivion, you understand the reference and why that applies to, oh, he's still my husband. <laughs> Basically, lots of clones of the same guy, and uh, she's like, "Okay, yeah, you can you can be my husband. You're the, you're basically the same guy." That's funny. Yeah. So, uh, the most notable part of the Isodidact story will most certainly be near the end of the Forerunner Empire because he was he was there in person when everything went wrong. Um, at the time. The master builder was being confronted for the many things, the many things that he had been doing. Uh, but unfortunately, that was at the same time when the rings started coming back to the Maithrillin for some reason. And Mendicant Bias was like, hey, I've been thinking. And everyone's like, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dangerous uh, thing to do. Exactly. So the the whole council was suddenly anyone in their armor got locked up like their armor stopped moving they were frozen uh which is the most terrifying thing because their armor is controlled by ai uh oh uh this was a momentary thing eventually their armor would come back uh but it was enough that they started noticing that pretty much all of the uh, not like all of them, but the larger monitors, the smaller monitors, they started acting a little bit strange. They started seeming a little bit more upset than before. And of course, that was because the mendicant bias AI had shown up and started causing a little bit of a problem. So the isodidact managed to escape with a couple of his other forerunner compatriots uh, through the portal that the halos were coming out of. And when they had done that they lost all contact with pretty much everything that had to do with the forerunners uh it, it had turned out that when they had left those rings had at least a couple of them had managed to fire they blew up quite a few of the rings the forerunners had managed to stop a good number of them but they couldn't stop all of them so the rings were fired unfortunately hmm. um now this is the interesting thing isodidact is one of the few forerunners who were around to see the world or the galaxy after the the rings were fired uh because he was on installation zero zero way outside of the galaxy ah. so he so here's the fun thing is that isodidact uh was friends with 343 guilty spark because isodidact and 343 were they were the guys who found the didact to begin with. It was because isodidact was once born stellar and three, four, three was once Chalkus, a ancient human. And they worked together to 
find out what it was the librarian was trying to send them to, which ended up being release my husband, please. <laughs> um, Chalkus got composed and turned into 343 Guilty Spark and Ch and a Bornsteller was imprinted on and turned into the Didact. So both of them had that sort of connective tissue of we're not the same anymore, literally. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the ISO Didact was the one that designated him as the and like designated 343 as the caretaker of installation 04 and the rings were redeployed ready to go so the didact managed to get a few more words back and forth between the librarian a librarian had stranded herself on earth to try to uh draw the flood there as a way to buy time for the iso didact to fire the halos uh he had hoped to to save the librarian before he could before he would light the rings um but uh, unfortunately, the rescue party that he had sent had been destroyed by mendicant bias. So why did he do that? <laughs> well, mostly because he wants the forerunners dead. Oh, I see. Mm. It, it took a very long time for a for a mendicant bias to be like, what have I done? Uh, <laughs> and this was definitely not that time. He was very much uh, he had he had very much caused a problem by how many foreigners that he was able to kill before the end of that war. And so uh, with with heavy reluctance, the Isodidact activated the rings and it sterilized the the galaxy of life. So so here he is. He's out here on the Ark and there's a few other foreigners with him. Not many, but just a few. And they had decided that after a little bit of discussion to see what this is about, because uh, Mendicant Bias now had been defeated by Offensive Bias, the Medarch AI that was specifically designed to beat Mendicant Bias. Okay. So now with Mendicant Bias gone, because of course the the Halo firing wouldn't destroy Mendicant Bias, um, with him defeated though, uh, he had, what is it? Yeah, he had Mendicant Bias uh locked in the ark just entombed him basically hmm. uh and specifically i'm going to read this one straight out of the pedia because this is actually great he had the bias entombed in installation zero zero with only one thought allowed to the ai atonement so what does that mean atonement is where is where you want to make things right for the things that you've done wrong yeah but i mean what does that mean for him like to make him like he uh, made him have the thought of vocab for <laughs> Brian over here. Uh, me too. Uh, no atonement for mendicant bias means making it so that the first of all the flood were ever to to return. He is not to help them, and he has to do everything that he can to prevent them from gaining power. But it also means doing everything that he can to just make up for the horrific losses that he caused. So in this case, for mendicant bias, it was it's subtly in the background of most things happening, especially in Halo Three. Mendicant bias was helping Chief the whole way. Ah, interesting. Yeah, that's proved. Actually, there was a a terminal at the end of the game, uh, hidden in this back room, that is based off of the uh, Halo Comedy Evolved power stations you could find. And this is the one we found when we played uh, not too long ago, right? Yes. Yeah. That terminal is a message. Like all the other terminals had been these like records, and you could probably say that that's connected to catalog. But they were all just records. But that specific terminal was a message from Mendicant Bias to Master Chief directly. 
And it was mannequin bias basically saying, you know, I can't atone for everything that I've done, but I hope that this works like that. This helps. Um, so mannequin bias is no longer, you know, big, big, mad man. He's still, you know, he's still responsible for everything that went wrong. But, you know, he, he's had to change a heart slightly. Slightly. At least enough to make it so the flood couldn't return again. Well, I think my bigger question was you were like, uh, only one thought allowed to him. Does that mean the, uh, what was his name? The other bias? Um, offensive bias? Offensive bias, yeah. Does that mean that he changed his programming somehow or? It just meant that he can't think about anything else aside from how to atone. Interesting. And he, yeah. so he, but he forced that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Mendicant is not allowed to think about anything aside from atonement that entire time. Um, so, uh, before that sentencing, though, Isodidact had uh, visited a village on the Ark, and this was actually, like, really kind of adorable stuff. Um, there was a, a, a smaller character, literally. I'm not saying that he's a side character. I'm saying he was <laughs> a small guy. Um, in the books, he's compared to a hobbit. <laughs> Nice. Uh, the the Isodidact uh, back when he was born Stellar and back when 343 was Chalkus uh, Chalkus's best friend was a character named Riser and Riser is the best character in all three books there's no arguing about it uh, Riser was like you don't gotta fire the halos and Isodidact is like yeah I do <laughs> <laughs> and so um, after this brief conversation they lit the rings and it was done, but there was still more that needed to be done because things weren't right yet because the, the, the problem remained that the domain could potentially be recovered. So as part of one last misadventure, which this story that I'm about to get into is not in the trilogy. This is in a short story that was written by Greg Bear after he had finished the three books here. That was put into a collection that is called the uh, Halo Evolutions. Mm -hmm. um, they're just a collection of short stories and they're lovely. It's like, actually, is it Fractures? It's, it's Fractures. There's a couple different ones. There's Evolutions Volume. Yeah, there's Evolutions Volume 1 and 2 and then there's the Secret Volume 3 and then there's... Uh, it's not like really a Volume 3. It's just a redone version of Volume 1. Uh, and then there's Fractures and Fractures is, I think, the most recent one. Nice. Uh, and in Fractures, it's basically a collection of stories that were written by the writers of the previous Halo novels, and they were allowed to write little short stories to expand the stories that they had already written. Uh, it was basically just a bunch of ways that these writers were able to just add a little bit more flavor to what they had already written. That sounds very uh, similar to something that was done for uh, Star Wars Extended Universe. <laughs> So with Greg Bear, he chose to try to tell the story of what happened to the Isodidact after he had fired the rings and also to explain how the domain is still accessible. So uh, Isodidact, along with the other forerunners that were still alive, uh, including one by the name of Chant to Green, who was a life shaper, they had decided to make their way back to the Maithrillin. So again, Maithrillin being the capital of the Ecumen. Again, the Ecumene being the entirety of the Forerunner Empire. <laughs> um, the Isodidact was reviewing a message that had been left for him by the librarian. 
where the librarian had explained that she believed that the domain could not be totally destroyed and that it could be recovered. So uh, the ISO didact basically decided that if there were going to be any way to find a way to get the domain back to its former strength, that would require listening to what the, what the librarian was suggesting and going back to the Maythrillin uh, to find this mythological organon, which is a precursor AI. Basically, it's what an organon is because their AI were completely organic. It's terrifying. <clears throat> um, and then pretty much use what they could find from the Ecumene Council because they there was a special, I think it's a necklace of some kind that was able to access the domain at any time. Uh, nice. Or to some degree is something along those lines. Uh, so when they show up, they couldn't help but notice that a bunch of, and, I, and I'm just saying like a bunch of uh, Promethean crawlers just appeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, first thought is, oh, it's him. It's the Erdidact. But no, these ones are different colors and they are also much more violent. <laughs> so more violent. Yeah. So the 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 forerunners fight off these these creatures and they are confronted with a very, very large and very beautiful holographic AI by the name of Abaddon. Ah, I know that guy. <laughs> and so Abaddon, uh, he is, he's not very happy to see the didact, even though it's not, you know, Ur-didact. He's still bad because he fired the Halo Array. Um, so a, a specific quote to Isodidact from Abaddon was, a trial was to be held here. It was interrupted by your creation, Didact. You will face trial. You have failed the mantle. Behold what you have wrought. Uh, rough, to say the least. Just a little bit. Um, despite the fact that they were definitely about to be judged for their crimes, uh, the Isodidact and a, a few others were able to evade Abaddon uh, although they were only able to do that because one of the other forerunners named Growth Through Trial of Change sacrificed herself to restore the domain and distract Abaddon. So uh, I don't really know what the sacrifice entailed. Uh, I don't remember what it was because I haven't read that short story in a while. Um, but I do know that it had something to do with the fact that she had this thing called a deadbolt key. And the deadbolt key is something that it basically... It, it allows you to reactivate the domain in a way, but it needs a template to restore the domain. So she became the template for the domain. Interesting. Very confusing stuff. Very much like precursor technology-esque being like, okay, so you take this living being who is now converted into a digitized template who is now converted into a living domain. <laughs> All right. So uh, the Forerunner survivors were able to leave the Maythrillin um, and the domain began to heal. And that's the last we ever saw Born Stellar. Goodbye. Uh, as far as we are aware, as far as we've last heard, Born Stellar uh, got married to another forerunner by the name of Chanta Green. I already mentioned her. Uh, they eventually had a son. And then that's it. That was the last that, uh, that we ever heard of him. Although 100,000 years later, 
there was a record referred to as the Bornsteller relation, um, which had a testimony of the of the didact, the isodidact recorded by catalog that uh, the UNSC used as a way to try to understand what the uh, what the didact was, because they were very confused about the existence of two didacts at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, three, four, three guilty spark having been captured by uh the un i think it's the oni ship i don't think it's unsc ship it was an oni ship by the name of ace of spades the um, ace of spades they had basically had guilty spark tell everything um and spark confirmed that warren Steller has been dead and turned to dust for a long time now so that's the story of both of the didacts. So there's a lot of stuff that I had to skim over, but that's because, like I said, there's a lot to go into. And admittedly, a lot of it I have to refresh myself on, um, or at least a good chunk of it. But the stuff that I do know was enough to fill this entire episode. So that's fine with me. Um, and by golly, did you fill this episode? I am. And I'm sorry. I know that it was a lot of talking, but <laughs> the, the story of the didact is something that is there's a reason why i started so fast at the beginning is his story is fascinating and i'm more fascinated for it to continue um although now that we're at the end i kind of want your thoughts gentlemen uh even you shane if you still if you're still with us and alive um (laughs) (laughs) so they are talking about halo epitaph as if it's the last chapter of the didact story like this is it this is going to be the end of his journey is that a good or a bad idea? Is it a good idea for a story to end at all? With the way Halo villains are going right now, no. Definitely not. Uh, <clears throat> um, sorry. So, James, I would love to know why you agree with Shane. Because um, <laughs> I don't know what Halo's doing anymore. I'm just assuming he agrees. Because I know he does. Now, what, what would you say, James? Because I don't know what Halo's doing anymore. No That's one a, does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I so, don't think you, we need. They need to stop doing a lot of the cool shit and important shit outside of a game and just let us experience it for ourselves. Yeah. And with uh, the way Halo villains are going right now, then I, I mean, I don't think there's any harm in you know writing him back into the story somehow. Brian, why do you agree with Shane? <laughs> um, I don't know that I do. I You're saying it mean. What? I mean, well, I agree that it shouldn't be done in a book. I don't okay. know how I feel about his story ending. Because, I mean, at this point it's been... It, with how it's been handled so far, I think it makes sense for his story to end. But I think I agree that he should have been around longer and have a little bit more of a part. Like, if you're going to say that he survived him falling off of, uh, like, survived the incident in Halo 4 just to only have him come back in a comic that I'm not going to read, honestly. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to read that. I'm, I don't go and just read the comics. So, um... I think that's something that they should they should have had instead of just random like multiplayer events in Halo Infinite that's some they should add like actual DLC events for story for Halo Infinite if they want to 
add stories like this, then I think that's something they should have focused on as a way to bring back characters and tell stories and, or finish out their plot lines. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Halo 4 did a lot of things right, and one of the biggest things that they did right was writing in such a way that the things that the character said felt utterly important. Yeah. And I I love that writing style, and it has been severely lacking in the previous two Halo games that have released, aside from Halo Wars 2, but that's not in the previous two main lines, so that's different. But Halo Infinite and Halo 5 both struggled from kind of having very upfront and straightforward dialogue, nothing that was really thought-provoking, nothing that stuck. So... The only thing that stuck with me from Halo 5 was um, Gift Horse's Veil. <laughs> that stuck with me. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Why do they have a tank? Gift Horse's Veil. See, I usually think of the I figure if God can hear how scared I am, so can everyone else. It's like, but of course he can. <laughs> <laughs> I think of I think of come a long way together. <laughs> Got a long way to go. Worst hype speech ever. <laughs> terrible uh but that's my point is that if halo infinite is teasing the fact that mendicant bias is officially back which is hype that's great i mean especially if mendicant is still a little bit screw you in, in the head then maybe th- that could mean he's a really good villain i don't know but if he's back you have any idea how cool it would be to have the didact back to talk to him yeah because like the didact was a main proponent of not using mendicant bias. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be great. I would love to hear the didact and, the, and mendicant bias having these conversations, be it in cutscenes or in terminals scattered throughout the missions while you're covering the main story. That sounds great. I would love that, but who knows if that actually is something that's in the works. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have any deep desire to go to three, four, three and slowly take over their writing team until eventually I'm filled with just people that I work with and we can write the story ourselves. Definitely not. Installation zero, zero hit me up. (laughs) I want him on the show. I want him here so bad. So, uh, with that all being said and done though, uh, that's going to be it for the didact, uh, somewhat, thankfully because his story is extensive and we can get on to the more more vague not vague broad topics that have a lot more to them a lot more exploration because now we get to kind of go into topics that aren't particularly about telling a story and more about explaining how they function until we get back around to uh, eventually we're going to talk about arbiter and the other arbiters but that's way down the line so stick around for that one but next episode we're going to be talking about the halos so that's going to be how are they made how are they used how are they different are they still being used today are there more than seven blah 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 those are going to be addressed and that's going to probably be one of the more entertaining episodes that we're ever going to have in this season so highly recommend you stick around for that one uh Speaking of sticking around, if you want to head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash jumperscape, we're going to be heading over to our Terminals After Show, where we're probably going to be talking a little bit more about uh, either Halo's villains or just how Halo Infinite is changing right now because Season 4 is coming up uh, at the time of recording this. Um, So if you want to see that conversation, you want to get involved with the conversation, you can feel free to head over there and send us messages, send us comments, do whatever you got to do. At the time of recording this, we still have 20 seats open in the early bird special. $2 a month will get you access to the after show. It's a fantastic time. I hope you see see you there, and we'll see you next week for the Halos. 
Library was produced and published by Jumperscape Audio. Funding was provided by our fantastic patrons on Patreon. Big thanks to Dark Salad 42 and Connor Clark. If you enjoy the show and wish to support Jumperscape's future projects or get some sweet benefits, join our Patreon at patreon.com jumperscape or become part of this truly special community at discord.gg jumperscape. Thank you for your listenership and we hope you enjoyed. <laughs>